Welcome to the Western Revolution Show. So for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the best version of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What makes a man attractive? I sat with one of my propeller colleagues last night and we were discussing attractiveness. She said she had read an article that men who were older and darker were now being perceived as more attractive. <laughs> I quipped that I still had a ways to go for the older piece to set in. <laughs> we laughed. But I wondered, what's the real answer to the question? It's an age-old thing that asks by researchers and pundits alike. The assumption is that what makes a man attractive is his physicality, the symmetry of his face, his eyes, his hands, his muscles, the car he drives, or the size of his bank account. However, when I put this question on Facebook yesterday, the aforementioned answers only sparingly came up. Things like intelligence, confidence, sense of humor, trust, loyalty were the major themes. Yet... Honesty was the most significant characteristic chronicled by my friends, mostly female. It is interesting that this characteristic be labeled as one of the most critical aspects in making a man attractive. Shouldn't honesty be a given? Aren't we naturally honest? No! Exclamation mark. Several weeks ago, I posted on Instagram, when you change how you operate, the world will change what it presents to you. My change was to be honest with myself and with everyone I encountered, no matter the consequences. My point here is that many men think that product, clothes, cash, muscles, and cars make them attractive. And I'm sure that it does. But it would seem, at least from my Facebook family, that the biggest cachet lies in just telling the truth. Today, to help me discern what makes a man attractive, I am joined on the What's Your Revolution show today by founder, co-founder of Love Works For You, Christian Peterson. Christian, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on here. Man, I'm enjoying and looking forward to this wonderful conversation. Christian, as we ask all our guests early in the conversation, what's your revolution? All right. <clears throat> I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> Okay, well, my revolution is to help men to embody both their raw masculine power as well as their open, loving, truth-telling hearts. You know, my, my revolution is to make relationships easier, more fun, and a place that is mutually uplifting. It's my belief that our relationships are supposed to be a place where you know, where we can feel supported to be the very best version of ourselves, where we can be more of ourselves, not less, you know, where we feel replenished and invigorated and supported instead of depleted and stressed, which is, you know, often the case. Right, right, right. There are a couple things that come out of that answer, and I appreciate that so much, Christian, is that, that, that raw masculine power, as you say. Can you unpack that for me? What is that? What does that look like? Because I know many of my listeners are like, what does he mean, this raw masculine power? Because we're seeing that play out, or at least what we think that raw masculine power play out all around the country and all around the world now when we see all these high-powered men 
being accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault. So what do you mean by that raw masculine power? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me. And that is that is such a tricky subject. And as you said, it's it's been made a lot more tricky, tricky and sensitive these last couple of months. And you know, I'm I'm just I'm gearing up to a men's retreat I'm leading in January. It's called "Where's Your Power and Heart, Man." Right. And this this raw masculine power is you could say it's a depending on your spiritual beliefs you could say it's a God given or a nature given force that I believe is built into every single man. Okay. It's the same force that would have us. Uh, lift a car if a baby is under it. It's the same force that would have us step in the way when we see someone about to get hurt. It's the same force that often expresses itself in anger. And you can, you can, the force itself is neutral. It's just powerful. I kind of think of it like, uh, you know, you can imagine we all have like a big black stallion inside of us. And you can imagine if, you know, one of those beautiful beasts that have rippling muscles under the skin and can run a thousand miles an hour, you know, a, an animal like that, that kind of force, if there is a skilled rider on it, you can create magical things and fly over the grasses, right? Right, right, exactly. And if there is no rider or an unskilled rider on an animal like that, it can create such damage and, you know, destroy things around it. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the world now. You know, we well, we've been seeing forever, but it's, you know, it's the forefront of everybody's mind now. Right, that exposure, exactly. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that force that's being used without any guidance. It's being used blindly, unconsciously. There's no love or empathy or a higher purpose that guides the force. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And that's a that's a wonderful analogy that you just set up for everyone. Is that that raw power is there, but it, it, it's like privilege, and we have to be able to use that privilege in a manner that it's going to be a superpower, yeah. uh, and not something that is malicious, as we see, as you said, on the other side of that anger and rage and misogyny and harassment and assault. Yeah. But as you said, being able to lift that car, being that loving father, being that loving person in the, the relationship, understanding and, and, and using that power a, as a privilege. Uh, and, and being able to aid not only yourself but those around you to, and giving that ability to grow. Is that, is that what you're saying, Christian? Yeah, it's totally what I'm saying. And, you know, it's the same power in a man that, that allows us to accomplish things, you know, that allows us to move forward in the face of obstacles, that allows us to set a goal and go for it and not be deterred even if challenges show up along the way. It's that same power. Right, right. So exactly. it's really it's a matter of, how is it used, if at all? Because the other side of the coin is that I see, a, you know, a lot of men today, you know, the picture we're seeing of men out in the world today of, you know, all the sexual harassment and misogyny and, you know, just bad stuff, that's not all men. Like the vast majority of men I interact with are, you know, they're for the most part good, honest guys trying their best. Exactly. And, exactly. But, and many of us, you know, we have watched, we've grown up with our father's generations. Many of us had very angry fathers that we didn't have a very close relationship to. 
And we've seen what this force has done in the world with, you know, war, exploitation, violence, you name it. So a lot of men instinctually, we back away from that power. We say, I don't want to be anything like that. I'm not going to be one of those angry assholes. I'm sorry, I don't know if you can swear on your show here. I apologize if you can't. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those angry men that scare people and hurt people. Right. So it, I'm going to I'm going to just back away from this side of myself altogether. But the thing is you you can't shut just that little side of yourself down without shutting down all kinds of other great things too. Exactly. Exactly. Chris and I appreciate that. So let's let's dive into a little bit more and let people know who is Kristen Peterson, and how did you begin really thinking about building Love Works for You? Uh, just so everyone knows, Kristen is from Denmark. Uh, and interestingly enough, Kristen, I did my ancestry DNA a couple of years ago. And so 80% of my ancestry is from the west coast of Africa. Mm-hmm. But uh, 20% of it was from Scandinavia. It was really, oh, no really, kidding. Yeah, really, really interesting to see that aspect. But tell us a little bit more about you and your background and, and how you got to this space, because I think your story is quite interesting, and I think people need to hear that. Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, well, so like you said, I'm originally from Denmark in my mid-40s. Um, how, how I, you know, I was originally on a totally different track in life. I was going to school to get an education, and first I was a, like a computer guy, and then I thought I was going to be a city planner, and, and my heart wasn't in any of that. And really, I was, you know, I was a stereotypical guy. And one of the things that was most important to me in my coming of age and through my 20s was my love relationships. That I didn't talk very much about that because, at least in the circles where I grew up, my friends and I, we never talked about love and relationships. And, you know, it just wasn't a thing you could talk about. But it was on my mind a lot. And... I I was you know I was one of those I was one of those guys who was just unconscious most of the time angry without knowing it um and I was so scared of this big power inside of myself you know that I was one of those men who when I looked around at what the world was coming to and what I saw men in the world doing I thought I don't want any part of that I don't want to be like that but I still you know, I still had so much anger inside of me. Where did that, where did, Chris, where did that anger come from? Where do you think was the impetus for that? Where, where was the well for you? You know, really, I think the, it comes from a conversation in my head that sounds something like, I'm a screw-up, I'll never make it. Nobody has, nobody's interested in what I have to say. Why would anybody listen to me? Really, I'm not worth all that much. And... And I had no place to go with all of that. There was no one to talk to. I had no way to acknowledge that I had, you know, conversations like that running in the back of my mind. And I was mad also that I couldn't make my life work in the way I wanted it to. You know, I really wanted to create a loving relationship. I wanted to get to be a good man with a good partner and create a family. And I just couldn't make any of that work. So, yeah, I mean, I was just mad inside, and but I was also way too nice to take my anger out on anybody. So I just stewed on it in myself, which is which is a bad recipe, you know. It starts right. 
Right, exactly. And especially as you think about, you know, spending time alone and not really having that communication because we're socialized to hold it in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, socialized to hold it in. So what really got you out of that space? You know, it really, you know, it, it really wasn't that I was uh, particularly enlightened or anything. I just, I just got so miserable that, like, I got really disillusioned with the world. I could, you know, all this anger and energy inside of me that I didn't have any place to do with it started really hurting my body. So, you know, even though I was, you know, I looked like a runner or a bicycle person, <laughs> I was hurting all the time. And my relationships were, you know, they all went the same way, every single one of them. You know, they started out great and fun and sexy, and, and then they just went downhill so fast. And it always ended up with me just running out of there as fast as I could. And it was just getting to me. You know, it was really getting to me. I felt less and less confident as a man in the world. I felt less and less sure that I could create the kind of life I wanted. I felt disillusioned with the world around me. I was just flat-out miserable. So at some point, I just, I just had to admit to myself, okay, what, what I'm doing is clearly not producing the life I want. And I don't know what to do instead. But, you know, it was a turning point for me to admit I'm not making it happen like I want to, and I have no idea how to do that. And, you know, that was the opening to tell myself, okay, great. Well, in that case, i got to go look somewhere else than my own little pond and my own little group <laughs> of friends right, right, and exactly. find somebody who can teach me. Right, and so what did that lead you to? Where did, where did you go? Uh, you know, I just started, the first person that I talked to was my, I had one of my brothers and his wife were, you know, they were kind of on a quest to find a better way to live life. So they were open to, you know, psychology and positive psychology and spirituality and life coaching and just looking at different ways to think about life and to be a human being. So I started with talking to them and and then I did, I actually got a lot more radical at some point. I, at some point I just, I, I, I changed my uh, career path completely. I just left it all behind. I sold my apartment and all my stuff. I moved to another country. And I basically said goodbye to my old life and in this quest to start over and to find, find some way to be happy and feel good about myself as a man in this world. So I, I did all of that, like inside a period of, a year or two, you know, I stopped smoking, I stopped drinking, <clears throat> I started eating better food. I like changed all my habits, basically. And so you found you found your way, you found your way in in, in making these changes. Interesting. It, these changes also led you to a retreat where you met your wife. Tell me about that. It's true. Yeah, you know, I had I had read a book by a man named Barry Neil Kaufman some years prior to that, and it really stuck with me. So at some point where I was, I had reached a point where I didn't know what to do again. I'm like, I, I don't know where to go next. And I remembered this book and that he was the founder of a retreat place in Massachusetts. That um, So I looked it up. I called them. And I, I basically ended up, I spent the last 8000 bucks I had in my savings account, every penny of it, bought a ticket to the States. I signed up for the longest course they had, even though I really didn't know all that much about it. And the first, very first morning I got there, you know, I went up to the big cafeteria where everybody meets for breakfast. I sat across from this very interesting woman who is now my wife. 
and it turned out it turned out we were in the same class because this there are many classes going on at the same time. Turned out we were in the same class, and uh, so we had like you know it was one of those in, it was one of those experiences where there was like instant chemistry and attraction, and you know there was definitely something going on between us. But we never thought we would you know we never thought we would be a thing or an item or a couple because you know she's my wife she's 15 years older than I am. Wow. She already had two young children, so I'm the stepdad of our kids now. So she had, she had to find something attractive. Exactly. So now now you all have a, a business together because you were able to basically come together, find that attraction, find this space, know that couples uh, and singles really needed to t- look inward. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about Love Works for You. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it was inspired. My wife had been on that, this path for many years before I even met her. And I was really inspired by the relationship I created with her because it was the first time after I basically had a, like a relationship hiatus of a couple of years where I deliberately did not engage in romantic or sexual relationships. You said several years? Yeah, a couple of years, yeah. Wow, okay. About two, about two years. And I deliberately did that because... I had so much noise in my head about what all this stuff meant and how I was supposed to show up as a man that my, my thought at the time was, you know, I'm just going to sort out what I really think and what is just noise that I've taken on from other people, my parents, whoever, and I'm just going to figure out what I want. What kind of relationship do I want? What kind of real life do I want to create? So this was the first time I engaged in a relationship that we we even though we thought, that we were going to only see each other for the first two weeks. It was a two-week. Uh, it was a two-week course. She was only there for two weeks. I was going to stay on at this place, Option Institute, for several months. So we thought we'd only see each other for a couple of weeks, and that would be that was it. But the whole time, from the very first time we talked, we just I had this commitment that for the first time in my life, I was going to be a hundred percent honest. Going back to what you were sharing about, you know what is attractive, right, and exactly. honesty is such a big thing. Exactly. And I, that was my promise to myself and to her, that I'm going to just say everything. Like, uh, there's not going to be any secrets in my heart, because all the other relationships I'd had before then, I felt like I could never say what was on my mind. Like, I could never really say it. It was always a matter of trying to figure out what she wanted to hear and what was going to make her happy. And so this time I did it differently. And it created a completely different kind of relationship. So, so LoveWorks was inspired. LoveWorks for you was inspired partly by what, what Sonica had already been cultivating in her life because she had been a relationship professional for many, many years before then. And then partly by our own experience and everything I had brought in my studies about how to, you know, how to get happy and be a powerful man in this life. And we realized. You know, the, the absolute key to a happy life and happy relationships is the, in, is the inside job. You know, it's how I think about myself. It's how I feel about myself. It's how I deal with my feelings and this power that I have. You know, those are the absolute keys in in creating what we want. Right, right, exactly. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corper, sitting here talking to... Uh, co-founder of Love Works for You, Christian Peterson. Christian's talking about what is Love Works for You, 
uh, and how he and his wife met and have really been working with couples and singles all across the world about finding the best versions of themselves inside and outside of their relationships. So, Christian, let me ask you this question, and it's the, it is the pivotal question of the day. With all of the couples and singles that you have worked with over the years, what has been kind of the themes when asked this question, what makes a man attractive? Because I actually told my listeners, this is a little bit of a head fake, mm -hmm. because we tend to think these tangible things that I listed previously are those things that make a man attractive. So what, what is something that you found in your conversations and your work that people are saying makes a man attractive? Yeah, great question. Um, well, one, one interesting thing I'll just add, and then I'll ask answered more directly, is most consistently most consistent thing I've found is that both men and women are confused about what it is that really attracts them. So many of us, both men and women, still, we think that it's all those things you were mentioning in your introduction. You know, how nice my hair is, how big my bank account is, how tall I am, how big my muscles are, uh, how much I accomplish. Like when you ask uh, people about it often their first response is just that it's, it's interesting uh, when I put this out on Facebook yesterday I expected all of that but and, and most of the commentary was from women mm -hmm. um, many of them did not say that I was very uh, of the aforementioned things that we've discussed they did not say that but I really expected to, to have all those tangible things yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you but go ahead yeah, no, and, and hey, that's great. I'm, I'm yeah, I was, I was very that. happy about that, exactly. That's awesome because what turns out is we have found like over and over and over again that whereas, you know, all things being equal, certainly someone might pick a partner who had a lot of money over zero money or who were healthy over not healthy. Yeah, those, those are kind of givens. But really what it comes down to is honesty, heartfeltness, Kindness is a very big thing we hear over and over again of what is really desired and attractive. This is talking from, you know, what women are attracted to in men. Kindness is a big one. Um, reliability, uh, trustworthiness. Right. We did, I actually I did just read, uh, you know, I actually just, uh, a few months ago, I think it came out last year, the, you know, the, Got, the doctors Gottman of the Gottman Institute, yes, the Love yes. Lab up in Seattle? Yes. They published a book for men, the ultimate guide for men. And, you know, they have surveyed thousands of people over the years, and they said that the number one thing women desire in a male partner is trustworthiness. 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 And, you know, obviously goes right along with honesty um, or reliability. The ability to trust that you'll be where you say you will be and that you will be there for me. Right, right. And, and just, I'll tell you, oh, yeah, did no, you want to add something? No, I just want to say we, we are a very inclusive show, and so we want to make sure that when we it's, – it's not just women who are loving men. And so we think about these characteristics of trustworthiness. It goes uh, across the board. Um, and so just in saying that, um, that when asked that question about men, there are, uh, you know, there are same gender loving pe people who, you know, think about how they're going to love the men in their life. And so I want to make sure that we put that out there as well, that we are a very inclusive show, um, that it's not just about women loving men, it's about the people who love men as well. But you're right, trustworthiness, loyalty, 
um, are characteristics that people that people talk about. Is there anything else that comes up, you know, in your conversation, uh, in your research? What did the Gottman uh, products say that are not those tangible things that we think of? Well, you know, that's exactly what I was going to say, and I appreciate your comment about the inclusiveness. I was just referring in this particular book. Right, exactly. They do research, you know, relationships with men and women. So that's what it was for. But that's a really good point. Thank you. Yes. Um, You know, the one thing that I have found is that's a little more, little less tangible and a little more nebulous maybe to understand, but which every person knows when it's in front of them, is something I think of as, I call it your quality of presence. Ooh. What does that mean, Christian? Quality, quality of, of presence. presence. Is that you confidence? Can, is that how you show up? You know, you can, uh, here, can I do a little experiment with you and the listeners? Yes, yes. So, well, we, we, we're going to go to break in about two minutes, so we may have to take it after right, no, the break. I can do it quicker than that. Yeah, go ahead. So everybody just take your right hand and put it on your left arm. So touch the skin on your left arm. And just touch your arm while I want you to think about everything you have to do today. Just think about all the stuff you have to do for the rest of this day and then all the stuff you have to do for work and kids and business tomorrow. Uh, Run that little list in your mind. All right, stop right there. All right. And you can notice the quality of touch you had on your arm. Now touch your arm again, so right hand on your left arm and put all of your attention into the touch. Like touch your arm like you've never touched that arm before and put your full attention on the quality of your touch. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So that's all right. full, so full you attention. Feel, you feel a difference, yeah? <laughs> yes. Yes. I've got my producer and my uh, engineer. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> nice. And there is a difference because when, when you're when you I actually stopped when I started thinking about my list. Right. I, I actually stopped rubbing my arm. <laughs> so this is this is just a simple I- illustration of quality of presence. Now, this one, I, ah, I demonstrated it with amazing. physical touch. Right. Because it's easy to get it. But it's the same when you stand in front of a partner. How you connect with him or her, with your eyes, with your words, it can be either like while you think about everything else or your phone or whatever, which has a very uh, blurry quality of presence. Right, right. Or you can be with that person with your full presence. With your full presence. I love love that analogy, Christian. Uh, It really thinks, and that was one of the uh, complaints that my last partner gave that I wasn't yeah. always present enough or I didn't hear her. And so that quality of presence uh, of being there, I think distance also makes that harder uh, right. when you are you don't have that uh, opportunity to be present every day. Christian, hold on for us as we go to break. I want people to think about what makes a man attractive. Uh, give us a call after the break, 504-260-9265. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show. What makes a man attractive? We'll see you after the break. Call 
and all kids. The Downtown Development District cordially invites you to the shops at Canal Place Reindeer Run and Romp and Holiday Scavenger Hunt presented by Energy on Saturday, December 9th at 9 a.m. The race will take place at the Canal Place Shops, 333 Canal Street. Registration begins at 8 a.m. and the race begins at 9. Pre-registration is available online at active.com. Ready, set, go. Join Rudolph, Santa, and friends as they jingle their bells to signal the start of the race. All participants will receive bells for their sneakers, antlers, and a race t-shirt, a bag of holiday goodies, and much more. After the race, romp around and enjoy healthy activities for kids and parents with music, games, crafts, and much more. Run to the Reindeer Run and Romp and Scavenger Hunt on December 9th at 9 a.m. at the Shops at Canal Place. Looking for that perfect gift for a birthday, an anniversary, or how about just to brighten someone's day? Mona's Accents is your one-stop shop for beautiful floral arrangements that are indeed perfect for any special occasion. Dedicated to quality, freshness, and customer satisfaction, Mona's Accents will surely take care of all of your floral needs. So stop by the shop located at 2109 North Claiborne Avenue or call us at 504-944-7001 and let us arrange and deliver your floral gifts. Again, that's 504 504- 944-7001 or you can order online at www.monasaccents.com Mona's Accents Freshness, quality and customer satisfaction guaranteed Come visit H&W Drugstore, African-American owned and operated, servicing the New Orleans community for over 50 years. Experience fast, friendly, courteous, and caring service every time. Let our knowledgeable and friendly staff take care of all your prescription needs. Same medicine, same copay, if not lower than the big box pharmacies. H&W Drugstore has two convenient locations to serve you. 8454 Morrison Road, inside USA Market in New Orleans East and 1951 Barataria Boulevard inside Budget Saver Grocery Store in Marrero. H&W Drugstore is African American owned and operated. Call us today at 504-244-3784. H&W Drugstore, knowledgeable, friendly, and here to take care of all your prescription needs. I'm Charles Rice, President and CEO of Entergy New Orleans. In order for future generations to thrive, we need to ensure a stable power grid today. We lost our only local power source when the Michoud Power Plant closed last summer. Since relying on outside markets is costly and unreliable, we need to replace Michoud with a smaller, cleaner, and more efficient facility. Improving the reliability of our power grid is crucial to our city's bright future, and that begins by replacing Michoud. At Entergy New Orleans, we power life. You're listening to WBOK, New Orleans. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show. Dr. Charles Corbrew having a great conversation about what makes a man attractive with Christian Peterson of Love Works for You. Christian, are you with me, brother? You bet. 
I, I'm still here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We had a good conversation. That was a really good analogy about sitting in presence, you mm-hmm. know, and, and really being present in your relationship. And that confidence of I don't need to have my phone. I don't need the TV. I just need to sit in presence with you. And that is a really interesting thing as you think about with all of the distractions that we actually have in our lives. We're Facebook live streaming everything right now. You know, I could sit on the phone and do all these things while we're actually having this conversation, Christian, and not really even be present. And that's what happens in our relationships. And women and men do find that attractive when you sit in space and just listen. Yeah, and you know why I also said that's that's totally that's totally the case and why I said it's somewhat nebulous is it's one of those things that people they know for a fact they feel it when their partner is not present with them. But they often have no idea how to put words to it. So so it's a tricky thing. Everybody knows when it's not there. Everybody knows when their partner is not present. From from men from women to men often it's one of the biggest complaints we hear is you're, they say it's something like, often something like, you're not there for me. Uh-huh, exactly. You're not there with me. I don't feel you. Sometimes they'll say straight up, you're not present with me. I want you to be there more for me. It's hard to put words to what it is, and often it just ends how it gets spoken in relationships. Is just like general complaining about all kinds of things. Exactly. Like and you don't talk to me nicely or you don't look at me the right way or... You don't hear me. You don't hear me, exactly. But really it's this quality of presence that's desired. Exactly. Exactly. And there's one thing that I've heard you say before in some of, in some of the other work you've done is that we begin to, and for us, is that complaining for change. Yeah. And that complaining. And for us as men, we don't hear that as okay, it's time for me to change, we hear that as nagging. We hear that as, you know what, I'm doing the work, you know, and you need to just leave me alone. Right. You know, allow me to be that man in the space. I'm here for you. I'm present for you. I'm all those things. And really all that I hear from you is this complaining. We have to be able to hear that. And so we, I think we, and that's another show, how do we have communication with our partner without it sounding like we're complaining? Yeah. What is What is it? It's not that you're not here for me. It's I'd like for you. I'd like to spend a little bit more time with you, where it's just us. Or I, there's a conversation, or there's a show, or there's something that I'd like to do with you, where we take it in as like, oh, she wants to be with me, or he wants to be with me, and so we internalize that instead of being complained to. All right. right. So, Chris, we got a caller, and I want to take that for one second. Hold on, Bambi. How you doing, Bambi? I'm fine. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you for calling into the show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so I want to ask you this question. Is it, what what makes a man attractive? Because I thought the answer that you gave on Facebook yesterday was so insightful. What are your thoughts about that? For me, it's a combination of book, street, and common sense. Um, and particularly things that they know and can articulate. I, I just individually am sapiosexual, so my attraction is first going to be mental. How you engage me in conversation, uh, not necessarily how you touch me, because uh, nine times out of ten, I probably don't want to be touched in the early stages of the getting to know process. Right. But I'm honing in on what you're telling me, how you communicate. 
don't text me. I am not a teenager. Pick up the phone. I want to hear you say hello. <laughs> I like that. I want to hear your voice. I want to know how your day's going by the tone of your voice. And, and being a, a communications professional, I, I kind of pick up on certain things in the communications process. So for me, that, that's what engages me, and that is what connects me, how we communicate, how you think, how you do the things you do and why, and how you can articulate that. So, Bammy, give me a, an example of a typical conversation that you want to have, particularly in the early, the early introduction of a person to you. What, what are a, some of the things that want, you want to be communicated to you that actually that you find attractive? Well, first of all, I want to know what attracted you to me, you know, because then I know what direction I came in and what direction I should be going in. So affirmation for me is a big part of my communications process. And then I want to know what have you been doing? How did your last relationship end? Was it on a good note? Was it on a bad note? Was it simply uh, you disagree, you agreed to disagree? Um, because that tells me how your relationships may tend to be, you know, and if you have a plan, what are you doing right now? What do you want to do in the next five years? You know, and if you have children, and do you see your children? How often? If your parents are alive, what was the last time that you've seen them? I, I met a person years ago. They hadn't seen their mother in a year. I, for me, that was problematic. Yeah, that can be problematic. Know, <laughs> exactly. My own mother would not go an entire year without physically seeing me. Right, right. My, uh, look, so those are, yeah, those are the type of questions that I ask. I got you. I got you. So what you're saying right now, and, and for people to hear, is that uh, you want someone to really get into the core of your mind so you can not even get to the core of your mind, but you have the ability to see their mind, to see how they communicate with you, to see where they are in space. So basically, even going back to what Christian said just a few minutes ago, being present with you. Exactly. Being in that space and allowing for, and Kristen, I know you can speak to this eloquently, is that also being vulnerable? Because those questions that Bambi is asking you are very vulnerable questions. And so, and and she's asking those questions a little early on in in the space because I need to know, can you, it sounds like, can you give to me a piece of you as we're beginning to know each other? Yeah. I I I really like what you're saying. Um that, you know, to have conversations at that level as early as you're ready for it. Not everybody might be ready for it on the very first date, which is fine. But, you know, what I'm hearing you say, which I'm appreciating, is I'd like, I'd like to hear what's really going on inside of you, in your mind and in your heart, not just, you know, what kind of drink you drink or what kind of sports team you follow. You know, what's going on with your family or what is important inside of you. Exactly. Exactly. And right. You're right. That's I'm, awesome. I'm really you trying know? to gauge the value system because I know my own. And for me, family is very big. Uh, and I don't have children. But if someone I meet does, I want to know that they have a relationship. Because I feel like if you don't have a good relationship with your mother or your kids, you really can't have a good one with me. Exactly. If you don't put the time in with the people who are supposed to be closest to you, then I cannot expect you to put that type of time in with me. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Bambi, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you opening that space about really the attractiveness of the mind and, and really getting in and having that constant that communication early on. It's not about the physical. Uh, because you talked about that. You want to know what a man 
thinks about you and why he was attracted to you, but you may not want to hear all of the physical attributes that he thought were attractive in that space. Is that what you're saying as well? Uh, to, a, to a degree. I mean, men think differently from women. We, I'm very cognizant we do. We do. of that. And your communication style is more physical than it is mental. I'm cognizant of that. But so I try to cut to the chase to get to that mental space to see if they're capable of sharing. Because for me, the connectivity comes through the sharing process. Exactly. And communication is conducive to that. Exactly. Fammy, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful week. Christian, Christian. Yep, still here. Bambi was giving us some 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 great knowledge to really think about, but some of us some of us struggle with that vulnerability. Uh, yeah. Some of us really. Why do you think men struggle with the vulnerable aspect, um, and do they think that that's a part of the attractiveness or the attraction process? Should I be vulnerable so early on in the process of meeting a person that I might be interested in? Yeah. Well, the short answer to the question is why do General, I know we're generalizing here, so I get that it doesn't fit for everybody, but why do men in general struggle with vulnerability and emotion? You know, it's simple. We have systematically been trained out of it, period. It's that simple. From schools, parents, most of us can recount stories. You know, most of us, looking at our, how our dads were men in the world, we didn't see a whole lot of emotion, maybe anger. At least uh, for many men I talked to, that right. it, it was it, like it, anger was the only acceptable emotion for a boy. You know, we've just so many of us have heard, you know, pipe down, don't be so loud, tune it out, you know, stop crying, don't be so happy, don't be so sad. <laughs> you know, right. so just we're keep just, it even, be stoic. Yeah, I know. We're expected to be stoic and always have a handle on things. Right. Exactly. And then you know, also, it's in, I know in modern language. We talk about being vulnerable, and that has come to the fore, which is fantastic. But there's, you know, there's something inside that word. Being vulnerable sounds like I'm gonna get hurt. Right. You know, it sounds like I'm open to attack. And I think men, I think we have a like a biological defense against being attacked. You know, we don't want to get hurt. And you know, it's kind of like back to caveman days. Where, you know, being vulnerable meant death, basically. Exactly, exactly. So with vulnerability, with vulnerability. Well, really what vulnerability is, is being honest from the inside Chris, out. Kristen, you're, re- you're reading my mind. Yeah, you're no, reading it's being my honest mind. with exactly. including not just what I think, it's what but I what I feel. Exactly, exactly. And that, I think, is the, in my experience, that's the biggest challenge for men, is being honest with how I feel. Exactly. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporu. My guest today is Christian Peterson of Love Works for You. And we're talking about vulnerability and honesty. And we're going to end, we're going to spend the last part of this show, Christian, really talking about honesty because that was at the forefront of what everyone was talking about mm-hmm. on Facebook yesterday. Honesty. I want someone, as my good friend Amber DeVille said, I want somebody who is transparent, you know, in every facet of their lives. What is honesty? <laughs> you know, and it, it, is it blatant honesty? Is it, it is it me telling the truth about everything? I mean, is are there shades of honesty? I mean, <laughs> are there gray areas? What do you think, and how do you define honesty? Yeah, that's a really great question, and there's certainly a lot of uh, detail to that answer. And 
You know, I don't have the perfect definition because there are times where do I put absolutely everything on loudspeaker? No, sometimes I think stupid stuff that no one should hear. <laughs> you know, so I don't put that on loudspeaker. But it was like I was saying when I met Sonic, and my promise to myself is I was going to say anything that was just remotely important. So, for example, you know, an interaction I had with her, and this could be a practical thing for any of the, our listeners here to take on, you know, I had a concern when I first met her. I, I, at that time, I was still looking for the one and only, and I didn't think it was her. You know, I didn't think that was her. She didn't match my criteria mm-hmm. in my mind, mm-hmm. which is a whole, uh, which is another topic for another great discussion. Right, right. So I, I was just honest with her, and I said, you know, I really like hanging out with you, and I don't want to look as if we're all hitched because I'm still looking for the one and only. <laughs> you put it out there. You said, I put it out there. You said that. And so I was just, that was an honest thing that was going on inside of me. It wasn't mean or anything. It was just in here. And it includes being honest about the things that I don't think are so cool as a man. That means the stuff I feel sad about, mm-hmm. the exactly. stuff I feel scared about. You know, like right now my dad is really old and he's got dementia and he probably is not even going to recognize me when I go back to Denmark in a month. You know, I share that. I feel, I feel sad. It breaks my heart. Right, right. Exactly. And I share that with her, the sadness and my tears. And, you know, that, that's what, where it is. It's, it's my sadness as well as my fears, as well as my power. Right, right. You know, as well as the biggest dreams I have. So it's... a great practical place for, for men to start is go share something with your partner or your friend or somebody, your mom, that you wouldn't ordinarily share about yourself. That's a wonderful tip. That, that's, that, that's a wonderful tip, and we've talked about orchestrating your discomfort so much on the show, is that go and tell, tell someone how you feel or tell, tell them something that maybe has been troubling you that you need to say in space to them. And, and, and put it out there because I know yeah. we, we hold things. And, and I love that you made the point of saying to your now wife that in the beginning – uh, you weren't feeling it uh, yeah. for some reason <laughs> and, and putting it out there and instead of stringing her along. And we tend to do that as men. We will string people along uh, because we don't really know it in this sense, but we don't want them to go somewhere because we don't know right now. But I want to still play and and particularly, well, let me string this along and tell half truths or not even tell the whole truth and to keep that person in our midst. Yep. And, and that's not being fully honest. So that gave your wife the ability to say, you know what, I'm not messing with Christian, <laughs> or I have this ability to be his friend because now he's been honest with me. And I think that is a beautiful thing that we have to do, particularly in relationships with other people, is to tell them where we are. And yeah. that's, that's a hard thing. Let me ask you this question. Why is it so hard to tell the truth? And I think that if we if we get that out there, why is it so hard for people to tell the truth in in aspects of their life? Yeah, that's a that's a big million dollar question right there. And you know, often I just had a guy in my office yesterday who said what I hear a lot of men say is, "I don't want to hurt them. Mm. I don't want to hurt her or whoever it is I'm in front of." But I think that is a uh, I think that's a BS excuse, actually, <laughs> that we put it on the other per. I don't want her or somebody to hurt. I think most often it's I am scared to put that out. 
Because if you really saw, and I think this is our fear, if you really saw what's going on inside of me, you probably wouldn't like me very much. Right. You probably wouldn't think I'm a powerful man. So I'm just going to put on the face that I think will make me look the best. Exactly. exactly. But I really think it's our own fear. It is. It is, Christian, it, it is totally our fear that we're going to be judged in a certain way or that we're going to hurt someone else. And a good friend, and I've said this before on the show, is that she would tell me, she's like, uh, I'm not going to lie to you because I'm trying to hurt you. Uh, no, I'm not going to lie to you because I'm trying to deceive you. It's that I'm going to lie to you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm. And so you internalize that. Well, if I don't tell them the whole truth and how I'm feeling, it saves them from it saves them from their feelings. I don't yeah. want to hurt that person. And the thing is, it doesn't really though. You know, when I when I don't tell everything that's going on to my partner, she knows. <laughs> like she knows something is off or that I'm sitting on something. It really can't be hidden completely. You know, the part the more and the closer we get in intimate relationship with any partner, the more they will feel that I'm not saying something that's actually going on inside. Right, right. So even though, and the funny thing is then, that they often conclude that I am withholding stuff on purpose, which has me seem a lot less trustworthy. Exactly, and that was one of those big things in making men, you know, what makes a man attractive is trustworthy. Yeah, so, so my, honesty, so my, my trustworthiness. maybe it's a positive intention I have that I don't want to upset you, but the result is you don't trust that me. you trust me less. Exactly. Exactly. And we have to get past that that socialization because I, I learned to lie early on because it was going to keep people in my life or was, it wasn't going to hurt people. Yeah, and so if too. I told this lie, it, this is how it helped me sustain that. Yeah. But in the end, if you look at the chronology, the history of relationships and how they faltered and finally dissipated, it became because of the lies on whatever side. Somebody mm -hmm. was lying to somebody. Right. And it, 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 it begins to destroy the relationship. And I think when you can be patently honest with yourself and how you're feeling, if you can be honest with your communication to your partners and to your friends, no matter what, life changes for you and it opens up new doors. Yeah. As I said in the beginning, when you change how you operate, life will change what it presents to you. Yeah, and that was a great way you said that. That uh, is very much my experience. It, it, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. like that. Um, it's, it's just an interesting thing, and I, I'll give you the example, Christian, is that uh, I ended a, a relationship uh, back in August, um, and it really was toxic. It became, at the end, it, was, it, it became toxic because we, we stopped being honest with each other. Um, and then I, I made the point, I made the point that I was not going to go through that toxicity again uh, because we were saving each other's feelings. And life has life has changed what it presents to me because I will say now this is where I am this is what I'm doing this is who I'm with all right and everybody knows the space that they're in mm -hmm. and the reaction to that is wholly different than when you are not truthful I mean yeah. wholly different and I, I think people need to see that and I've talked to many men who said they've been in that other space. And once they decided to tell the truth and be honest with themselves, because sometimes they needed to get out of relationships, but they talked themselves out of it. But once they said, I'm going to be honest with myself and I'm going to be honest with those around me, life changed for them. 
But there, it's scary because it's, it's hard to say, you know what, I'm not feeling this. Or, you know, maybe it's time for me to go. Or I don't really like what's happening in our relationship. Yeah, or I have a fear that, you know, I have a fear about myself that I'm a loser and I'll it, never make it in it, life. Exactly, exactly. To be honest with that, Vaughn, I love that. I love that. Christian, we're beginning to close out the show, and I want you to think about what are some strategies that you can import impart to our listeners about how to be honest, how to be the most attractive out there in the world. What can they do? Well, one thing is what we're talking about here is share honestly. You can call it, you know, you don't even have to call it vulnerable, just from your heart. And a good place to start is go share somewhat, something with your partner or your next date that you wouldn't ordinarily share. Right. And we can... actually, Sonic and I, we actually created a document with a hundred different questions that are questions that are designed to uh, create intimacy in a conversation, even if it's someone you've never met. Right. Exactly. And I'd be happy to hand it out to your listeners, by the way. Please. Somebody, you can contact me on loveworksforyou.com. We have a contact thing. Just say you heard this show. I'd be happy to send that document to you. Okay, that um, makes sure. Loveworks.com. Loveworksforyou.com. Loveworksforyou.com. All spelled out. I got gotcha. you. And uh, so that's one thing. Share something you wouldn't ordinarily share. The other thing is this whole thing about the quality of presence. Oh, I love that. I love take, that. Take that on as a little practice. And how, So here's a way to practice it. Next time you're in front of your wife, girlfriend, friend, date, whoever, practice just making eye contact. And while you make eye contact, it's as if you're, if, as if you're sending a message through your eyes that says, I'm right here. I'm just here with you right now. Exactly. I'm right here. I feel you. I got you. I got you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. And there's a there's a uh, Zulu word, Sabona. Sabona. It means I see you. Sabona. I like that. And Sabona. S-A-W-U-B-O-N-A. Sabona. 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 Exactly. My producer's like, Sabona. I, 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 I see you. Nice. And if you can be in that space, I love that. I love that. One more tip for us, Christian, before we get out of here today. is Yeah, when you say your... When you say your truth or be honest do it in a good way that protects your relationships that means don't complain to someone so if you have a truth that says you're not the one for me don't just say i don't like hanging out with you this is pretty boring i don't think we're going to go anywhere like how you do that is first you start with an appreciation you say i really love hanging out with you i've so appreciated you taking the time to be with me and I'm not really inspired to set up another date. I got you. I got you. Christian, we appreciate the time that you've spent with us today on the What's Your Revolution show as we talked about what makes a man attractive. Again, you can reach out to Christian at loveworksforyou.com on his contact page. Check out his work. Check out Sonica's work, the work that they're doing really to build couples and singles and how they can find the best version of themselves. I want Thanks to thank so much for having me. I really appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you, Chris, and I appreciate, I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I thank everybody for listening today. And please always be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? Have a great week, everyone. Again, thank you, Kristen, for all that you do. Take care. Generations of good people and cycles of